You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, two more monsters, an assassination plot, and women from Venus. It's 1964's Ghidorah, the Three-Headed Monster. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10, 10, 10 of the Bonzilla podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Will. Yeah, oh. we had a little bit of a not, a, not a disagreement, but a confusion, I think, when we were talking about, like, what number episode it was last time. Yeah. Because it's like, because naturally, it'd be like five Godzilla movies, five James Bond movies, that equals 10. Yes. It's like, we're on the opposite sides of the screen, and I'm like, five, and you're like, five. And then we're both like, 10. But the electric company. <laughs> well, my 10 was a wrestling reference. 10, 10, yeah. 10. Ty Dillinger, shout out to anybody listening who knows Ty Dillinger. Yeah, He's which cool. is nobody. I don't think... I am the only person that yeah, watches Yeah, it's wrestling. like every every recording we do together, no matter what it is, like you just assume there's like this hidden wrestling fan base like beneath the surface of all the, our well, listenership wrestling is very big and in there's japan. never we've talked about wrestling is very big in japan yeah. and there's a fan base that you know exists of our uh podcast in japan you know who's very big in japan is godzilla yes like he's, he's huge he's huge he's, he's huge he's, he's gigantic he's enormous not gigantus he's no, godzilla no gigantic he gigantus the fire monster is actually he is godzilla gigantic and a fire monster. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. The fifth uh, film in the Godzilla canon, the Godzilla franchise, the Godzilla series of films. The sequential order of cinematic experiences. In the Godzilla continuity. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, see, you know what I'm talking about. Um Yes, so Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, released in 1964, the same year as our <laughs> previous installment in the Godzilla franchise. Yeah, I did Mothra notice that when, we were, when I was looking at the list. Yeah, um, when, when, we, we won't talk about that at all. Okay. It's never going to be No, it's never going to be addressed. All right. Um, and uh, with alternate titles, uh, Ghidra, the Three-Headed Monster, and that was the... Um, or, the um, original american title so they just got rid of some letters uh well we'll, we'll get to that okay. in a minute stop stop trying to burst ahead okay. of me well you're the one that's telling me all this information. uh and the uh original but the original japanese title for the film and this is this is actually i like this one mm -hmm. it's three giant monsters Greatest battle on earth. <laughs> <laughs> greatest battle ever. Because I, I love how like in all of these titles and like all like especially with the Japanese monster titles, like I love like how how much uh, excitement there is for the movie. Passionate about because like passionate because uh, in like it'll be like a uh, Mothra and then like a uh, exclamation point, or it'd be like later on down the line we'll get movies where it's like Godzilla save the earth. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be like the battle of a lifetime and then and then especially like when there's trailers it'll be like Godzilla versus King Ghidorah in the battle that would change the course of humanity. 
I love it. I, lo- I love it. Um, uh, also directed once again by a veteran of the uh, kaiju subgenre, Ishiro Honda. Uh, who, who, of course, made... We, yes, we were very familiar with yeah. Mr. Honda. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so going into this movie, uh, we are introducing a lot of different uh, aspects, uh, and because I think we're, we're coming right off of Mothra versus Godzilla, uh, which, as I had mentioned, came out earlier this year in 1964, and hot off, hot off the success of that movie. Uh, and it was actually released nine months afterwards... <laughs> After. Hold on. Well, it was. It was. They took longer than on Godzilla Raids again. So, in what? What do you mean? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Godzilla yeah. Raids again was in six months. Yeah. So they they said, well, that one didn't work out well for us. So maybe an extra three let's, months. Let's tack on an extra three months. This is really like you know it, that that's what that, that was the, definitely the problem with Godzilla Raids again. They mm-hmm. just didn't have those three months to polish everything. And uh, this is considered a direct sequel to uh, that movie as well. Um. So going forward into this movie. Uh, the producers of Toho wanted to double down on the success of the versus concept by crossing over Godzilla with more monsters, mm-hmm. um, and uh, which is, I guess, why it was the greatest battle on Earth. Because if it's the greatest battle on Earth, it can't just be like just one monster. Yeah, one other monster it can't even be two other monsters. It can't, yeah, it has to be. It has to be at least minimum three. <laughs> minimum three. If they wanted to put more in, you know, they could. But right now, I think three. You know, we want to slowly, slowly get to the point of mm-hmm. like ten monsters. So going, so going into this movie, mm-hmm. did you did you know anything about it other than I because know it, this I also knew, this movie also has the um uh the distinctive uh title of not actually having Godzilla anywhere present in the title, right? Um, I knew of. I, I knew of the two monsters. Like, mm-hmm. I knew that they existed. I was a little bit more familiar with kind of at least Ghidorah's look mm-hmm. uh, than I was with uh, uh, Rodan. Okay. He's going to be the other one. Obviously, Mothra we saw. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, obviously, Mothra we saw. In the, uh, <laughs> What's wrong with your voice? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <clears throat> obviously, we saw Mothra in the last movie, so I knew... Who she was, uh-huh. but uh, I was really interested in kind of checking out these other kind of cool cats on the block. These cool cats. Well, unfortunately, Nick, none of them are cats, and um, and they do step on several blocks. Are there, though. Any, are there any kaiju cats? Kaiju, kaiju cats. Um, sounds like an Instagram account. No, let's start it. Bonzilla presents kaiju cats. <laughs> um, so we are so. As I said, the producers wanted to double down on that concept, so they uh, added uh. Godzilla teaming up, or at least involving three monsters, not Trace. including Godzilla. Trace, uh, and those monsters, those monsters, monsters, those monsters included Mothra again, as we've seen in the previous movie, as this is a direct sequel to said movie. Uh, Rodan, an existing kaiju, and a brand new monster, and by the name of King Ghidorah. Ghidorah, Ghidorah. Will, will yeah. we talk about that? Yeah, we will. Uh, so. Let's step back a little bit, Nick. Ooh. Step back. Step back. There you go. How far back? Uh, you're, you're good right there. Um, 
Stepping back a little bit, Mothra returns, only this time just in her larval state. Mm -hmm. So we don't get any flying Mothra action in this film. Uh, And Mothra returns alongside with the uh, Peanuts, if we remember the Peanuts. Very excited about that. The Peanuts, uh, the twin pop singers returning to reprise their roles as the Shobijin fairies uh, from the previous film. Well, I was excited about that. Yeah. I'm I'm becoming <laughs> I'm becoming returns. a big fan of the fairies, and uh, we'll talk, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, but uh, I'm but, very I'm very excited by their presence. But let's talk about because uh, I thought we just had this because obviously this is a big monster mash. All yeah. right, so let's talk about our first new addition to the Godzilla uh, uh, franchise is Rodan. Okay, who Rodan. Um, it can only be described as a giant pterodactyl monster with the ability to fly at supersonic sounds. Um, whose Japanese, whose original Japanese name was Radon, which was uh, taking selective letters out of the uh, of, out of its uh, original prehistoric name, uh, Tyrannodon, Tyrannodon. Oh, okay, Radon. Ah, uh, I, I see what they did. Here, there. let's do electric company. Ray, Don, Radon. No, you got to say it at the same time. Oh, okay, Ray, Don. Radon. Radon. Ah, uh, see? We're educational. The first appearance of Rodan was in the film, was in its own uh, standalone film called Rodan. Rodan. <laughs> which was released in 1956 and also under the title, and this is what I was talking about with titles, Rodan, the flying monster <laughs> with exclamation points. <laughs> so they're very excited. I don't, I don't know why they're so... I guess it's well, not like they're it, excited. It's just kind of like, well, I mean, Rodan! Not like, <laughs> Rodan! Well, also, at that point, there really hadn't been a flying monster. That's you true. Had, you had Godzilla, and then, you know, you could have had Anguirus in that time. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no Mothra yet. You know, there was no... Well, around the same period. Well, that's actually because... Uh, and and also because, like, kind of Rodan is a giant bird. You kind of, like, associate it with, like, a flying monster. Right, and it's like, look in the sky. Is it a bird? Is it Superman? No, it's Rodan. Yeah, exactly. Superman, Rodan, Super Dan. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> um, and uh, so that was the first appearance, and in a film in 1956, also directed by Shiro Honda. Honda. And uh, this was during the period right after Godzilla's uh, release, um, and after Godzilla raids again of the giant uh, period of kaiju films uh, that were released uh, at the time, along with such films as Mothra and uh, this um, Rodan. Also, was met with a lot of success both in Japan. Uh, and across seas, uh, which kind of led to Rodan being one of the more successful kaiju monsters, along with Godzilla and Mothra. That movie, just to give you a little bit of context to what that movie was about, the movie revolves around the discovery of two ancient giant pteranodons that resurface to cause chaos. Uh, the, uh, The protagonists succeed in defeating one of the Rodans when it falls into a volcano and the the other follows suit to join its mate in an act of suicide. (laughs) So that movie was very, uh, in, in that movie, Rodan was portrayed as a uh, tragic antagonist. Because if we remember uh, Honda's whole thesis on monsters, uh, was that while uh, he didn't just want to make just r- random monsters who just run rampant and destroy everything, that he wanted to add a little bit of a pathos to the the monsters. While not necessarily 100% personality, but he wanted to... Uh, add a little bit of empathy to them and that right. he saw the fact that like oh that you're a giant monster uh within this uh within man's world was uh, was almost tragic mm. that being giant being a giant flying monster was a burden 
upon upon you. Interesting. Yeah. So that's why you know maybe, Rodan is seen as a tragic character. A little bit more uh, as uh, we talk about the movie, or or not, or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Um, so Rodan. Um, as we always talk about uh, with these monsters, is how they were achieved. So uh, Rodan was achieved via uh, a suit, as many kaiju were, and also um, he was achieved via a suit like most monsters were, and then also via a wire-operated puppet for flight. Uh, so it would be kind of like a little little uh, Rodan plane on a wire <laughs> being, uh, what's it called, like dragged around in the in the sky. I, I seeing the movie that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, in fact, the original suit actor Haru Nakajima almost drowned when a wire snapped over a water tank. Ooh. <laughs> Near death number one. Uh, yeah. And maybe the Japanese kept their near deaths a little like close, like maybe yeah, close to the chest. You know, yeah. I'm, I you know I don't want to I don't want to step on anybody's toes or you know getting it. I don't want to get political here, but for some reason I feel like. That a near death mate could have been swept under the rug a little bit in like <laughs> early day cinema Japan. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and then the original, um, the actually in the original film of Rodan, Rodan was also seen, uh, as I said, with the ability to fly at supersonic speed, but was also uh, another monster that, as I like to call it, had originally had a breath weapon. So as we see with many Godzilla monsters, has the ability to shoot something out of their mouth. Um, which is an ability that was only really seen in that first movie, but never really seen again. Um, you know, because I guess you can't you can't give everybody just breath weapons. Um, with every monster, we talk about the roar of the monster. Do you yeah. remember Roar Rodan Roar Dan's? Do you remember Roar Dan's roar? A, A little bit. bit, yeah. So A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I, I would I would say so. So the roar in this case was achieved with the same technique used uh, with uh, Godzilla's roar, which, uh, if we remember, was a resin glove uh, wiped on a cello string but slowed down. And this that same technique was combined with sped up human voices to achieve the uh, sound of Rodan. And I have that sound here. <laughs> So just imagine a giant pterodactyl, mm-hmm. and he's and he's and he's making that noises. He's flying over you, and he's just like and he's and he's just roaring away, roaring away. <laughs> so anyway, Rodan's roar. Uh, so yeah, Rodan's roar. Um, so and analyzing it, uh, the ending of that roar is very interesting because it sounds like he's kind of just moaning, like he's not having a great time. Um, <laughs> well, I, he's a tragic character. He is a tragic. He's character, not having a good does time. Add to it. Yeah, he's got. Um, a, he's, he's diving into volcanoes. I'll, I'll and... give on my on my roar scale. I'll I'll give that a solid. I'll put it on the six scale. I think it's a fine roar. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best one we've heard so far. Um, but it kind of fits the character, which is why it isn't lower. I think that six. Uh, kind of is added because it, it fits the tragedy nature of Rodan. Uh, should I give my overall thoughts on, on Rodan? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, first of all, the look for some reason reminded me of a, uh, a like supporting character in like a Nintendo 64 era rare game, uh-huh. like in like Banjo Tooie <laughs> and like the Terra or the, the Terra yeah, area. Yeah. Like Rodan's it like the design, like <laughs> seems like it's that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodan, it took a while for me to, uh, warm up to him, but I think by the end of the movie, I actually really enjoyed his presence. I think at the beginning, it it seemed like the the effect of Rodan sometimes was just looked like it was just like a still model, like he, like you know, 
like you put over the baby's crib, like the mm-hmm. thing where it just kind of was just like moving. a mobile, like a mobile yeah. thing where it just like was moving. Uh, but kind of once Rodan got a little more unique in his fight style, mm-hmm. um, and kind of well, things we'll talk about more specifically in the movie. But like the more unique his fight style became, the more I got into uh, that character. Mm-hmm. I think at the beginning it was a little bit always oh, like flies and he like just keeps hitting Godzilla but then like he started doing more towards the end and I was like I was I got really really into him yeah it, and it's interesting because uh it, it's very I've always I've always considered Rodan to make a very awkward suit like, yeah in, in, I could with, agree with, with that suit, like the suit design is is very like it's like clearly a guy like holding like these giant wings with a floppy head on it mm-hmm. <laughs> on top of yeah, them like yeah and, <laughs> and like also like it was kind of weird because like the the beak just kind of came, like it more so looked like it was just coming unhinged <laughs> at point. It's just falling apart, like falling apart. Um, and it's just like in comparison to some of the other monsters that we've seen, mm-hmm. he does at, at points too. He looks a little awkward just standing there with his little wings. So let's talk about our next monster. So uh, King Ghidorah, Ghidorah, uh, who is not a returning monster from a uh, not uh, for, didn't have his own Ishiro Honda film, is brand new introductory to this film, uh, and can only be described as a giant gold three headed winged dragon with two tails, no arms, and shoots lightning out of its mouths. I mean, that seems like the only description you could <laughs> give to it. I don't know. It's uh, very specific. The you description. could say he was a a, a purple T Rex. Yeah, but that would be wrong yeah it would be incorrect that is barney the dinosaur, that is barney yeah. the dinosaur. it's a man in a suit um nowhere near as big as any no, of these we all monsters. know yeah, Ghidorah is more related to bebop yeah <laughs> Be- bebop was the the yellow one right or big bop big bop no, no Be- tj i thought wasn't wasn't the no tj was the <laughs> no, Baby Bop was the baby one. It was okay, the little baby Bop. Baby. No, and then Bebop it was the... is from because I was like Bebop is definitely from Teenage Mutant yeah, yeah. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> baby Bop is the yellow one, and that is Ghidorah's closest living relative. Uh, this is probably one of the most famous uh, monsters within the Godzilla canon. Ghidorah was originally created specifically for this film uh, because the writers, the producers and writers wanted to do something different with a monster. Uh, beforehand, we have seen monsters that were either mutated uh, by you know radiation or were some ancient prehistoric beast or guardian mm-hmm. of, of the world. Uh, well, this time, we wanted to take it to space because uh, we have yet to have a uh, monster uh, from space, and that is where... King Ghidorah comes in. Uh, originally, uh, King Ghidorah, the design and the whole King Ghidorah shtick was rumored to be representative of, of China in the fears at the time because uh, there were rumors that uh, China was uh, developing nuclear weapons. Uh, but Honda has uh, gone against that and stated that it was simply the modern take on a uh, tra- on a um, Japanese legend called the Tamada no Orochi, uh, which translates to the Eight Forked Serpent. And in designing the creature, uh, Ghidorah was originally a golden, uh, well, originally a green dragon with eight heads. It's all heads. Yeah. But then they was like, well, eight may be too much, so we'll <laughs> stick We'll stick with yeah, three. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Be, considering how much Ghidorah's heads move in this movie, yeah. I think eight would just kind of, I think you just get tangled up at some point. Yeah, and uh, the original design of it was actually green with rainbow wings, but was changed to a gold design to fit venus origins because uh in this movie we'll talk about there are some connections to the planet venus and to connect that they made it a, a gold creature 
Uh, we mentioned a little bit the the name Ghidorah. Yes, uh, was um, in the original uh, release of this uh, film, especially in America, it was called Ghidra, and that simply comes down to a mistranslation uh, in which Americans translated it to Ghidra. And then eventually uh, changed it to Ghidorah, and then Toho had uh, made a statement that that was the preferred uh, translation uh, of the name. Okay, fair enough. Ghidorah has had multiple origins, uh, despite being traditionally space-based. Ghidorah has been an alien planet killer, a genetically engineered monster from the future, and even at one point an ancient mystical guardian of Japan. Uh, one of the reasons that there have been so many iterations uh, of uh, Ghidorah's origin is because unlike many kaiju within the Godzilla franchise, uh, Ghidorah is somewhat characterless and uh, therefore is just kind of seen as a force of evil that is often uh, utilized by whatever the antagonist of the movie is. Mm-hmm. Ghidorah, uh, with a very unique design, has a... Uh, has a lot of drama with the actual creation of the suit and the performance of the suit. Ooh, uh, the drama. Su- the suit performer had to be hunched over and using a metal bar for balance and support with inside the suit, and wires and puppeteers were used to control the heads, wings, and tails, and as many as seven men were used to control Ghidorah at any given time. <laughs> And operating Ghidorah was difficult as the heads would often get tangled and the amount of wires were difficult to maneuver both physically and there were so many wires that they would often reflect uh, light into the camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to give kind of like a little to even more of a description of what this guy looks like, you know, he's armless, has like these giant wings. I think it's like an awesome looking yeah. creature. And oh, yeah. I think its awkwardness kind of works to its benefit, but when you see it, it's these three heads just dangling around. constantly (laughs) moving. Like, there is not one point in this movie where Ghidorah's heads are not, like, just, like, kind of wiggling around. There's, like, maybe two or three little shots when you can tell maybe they choreograph, like, all three of them to look up at the same time. But for the most part, it's just... Just hectic all over the place. Just, uh, so Ghidorah, being one of the most famous uh, kaiju introduced, what did you what did you think of Ghidorah? And going in because you knew yeah. about Ghidorah, I knew I knew a little bit just in terms of the actual design, not as much of character stuff. Um, what what works about Ghidorah is that he's really truly a a villain and a force of kind of pure evil. Mm-hmm. Where even in the original Gojira. There, there is that element that they always present that like Godzilla is just kind of this creature and with the nukes and there's always this kind of element of it where it's like there's there's a little bit of sympathy even um, with the original Godzilla uh, film. Whereas Ghidorah, it's like he is just a destructor. He is just pure force mm-hmm. of nature, uh, of, of evil nature. And I think that's what kind of makes him work. Despite the fact that I would agree with kind of that criticism or that idea that like he is kind of characterless, that that's almost like he's just pure destruction, pure rage. And as, to make him like a villain and to have some, to create something that the, the to, to force a monster team up, mm-hmm. I think Ghidorah makes uh, a perfect villain for that. We also have a roar. Now, I don't have a uh, lesson on how the roar was done, but I have the roar uh, ready to go. Let's play it right here.
So normally, like how it's usually done in the movies, it's like usually all three of those, and then it's just like either overlapping or all together. Mm. Uh, it's very, it's it's very different. Yeah, it's very different. And w- what I like about even all the roars is like it's like so far we've had very distinctive roars for everybody. I think this this being one of like the most unique one because it doesn't scream, "I'm a destroyer of worlds." Yeah. And not not that I thought like that's what it was gonna like say. Right. Like he was like like it's like a giant dragon that's like, I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not like that. No. Yeah. Not smog. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's kinda like three it's a three headed smog. It is. Yeah. Uh um, yeah, so it's hard to rank that one for me because it's just so different than everything else. Mm-hmm. Gut tells me I'm kind of gonna lower that that's gonna be a lower ranking. Not because it doesn't work. But just because, just as a roar, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> so, four. I'd probably these give are great four. roars. I don't think you're appreciating these roars enough. Um, <clears throat> getting into the actual, uh, some of the behind-the-scenes actual develop, not the development, but the uh, conceptual and the writing of the movie. Uh, the producers, uh, while wanting to stick to the formula, the writers of the film wanted to change things a little bit story-wise. They wanted the monster action to intertwine more with an independent human story as opposed to just humans reacting to a monster attack. So that's kind of like the direction extra, they wanted to go. Extra, extra, read all about it. Humans are reacting to a monster attack. <laughs> no, it's more like extra, extra, read all about it. Giant monster attacks. What are you going to do? <laughs> like that, that's Just more stand it. there? No, get out of here, kid. <laughs> it's like, that's not what the paper says. That, you, that kid's just yelling at people. Um, the biggest change to the franchise would, dis- would be a decidedly more comedic and campy angle uh, with writer Sinichi Sekizawa, who spearheaded a lot of the story direction, thought that a more fun and personable, fun and more personable monsters would be the way to go. And interesting to note that uh, as we get into this movie, we'll notice that the monsters are decidedly more comedic than the uh, human characters, mm-hmm. as we've seen. Because we've seen uh, a lot of the comedy be done via the actors oh, and oh the yes. dialogue. How can we forget? Uh, do you have Attorney of Mothra? <laughs> or how can we forget? Um, well, I gotta find a wife now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the whole 10-minute plot line. Not in this movie, though. Um this uh it in terms of the film history though as we talk about film history sometimes it's interesting that um the this film would adopt that more comedic angle and uh it's mostly you could see a a trend an increasing trend worldwide in cinema that uh camp was being adopted as more of a style around mm-hmm. the around the time of the 60s and while a lot of these shows didn't come out until after after this movie uh we can see this in such things as the adam west batman uh the british avengers espionage show started to uh highlight a more campy comedic angle that was completely intentional mm-hmm. um as such um camp comedy became considerably more present in japanese productions overall mm-hmm. to the point that they kind of just considered a lot of entertainment to be campy and funny to the point that this movie Ghidorah the three-headed monster was released um as a double build both with a comedy both in the U.S. and Japan and then the U.S. was released and paired with Elvis Presley's harem scarum harem scarum <laughs> all-time classic and I also have the tagline for that double bill the oh, double the yeah. the tagline was the beat and the beast make a holiday feast <laughs> I like that 
Um, and it's also interesting to note that a more comedic angle uh, to Godzilla is what arguably made Godzilla even more of a distinguished character and, and, as opposed to and just kind a of monster. It just increased that the character and the popularity, I would assume, of, yeah. of, of Godzilla. Now, the last thing I kind of wanted to bring up before we get into the movie was Ishiro Honda himself. Uh, who is almost you consider the the godfather of this right. whole? We, we've talked a lot about Honda. Over yeah, the and and of, it, you know it's interesting so far. It's interesting going into him because remember I said that uh, he had a relationship uh, with Akira Kurosawa, who was um, his mentor, but they're mostly uh, best friends, which was a um, a lot of Western audiences and you know film historians kind of you know found a disconnect there uh, because you know here's the guy who's like went on to make like you know campy you know monster movies well right. kurosawa is like known for you know art films mm. which um is also um interesting because when you look at the export of what was the most notable stuff coming out of japan at the time were either kurosawa-esque art films or entertaining monster movies right so those were like the big things the big that two, were known yeah. to come out and of th- it. And though to an extent those are the two that still today are like are looked on upon exactly as like the the biggest kind of japanese mm-hmm. cultural filmic things absolutely and the reason i wanted to bring honda up because uh honda um was remember Honda made the original Godzilla movie, he did, which was like a dark kind of like thesis of like destruction and nuclear warfare. So, how does this guy go from making that to kind of being the director of these movies that ultimately take a comedic angle to them? Mm-hmm. And the answer is that Honda was a little bit, uh, he, he fought back against a lot of the comedic angles Uh, because i think in general from what i've discovered is like he was all game for wanting to make monster movies absolutely uh and that he was able to make like adventure monster movies with mothra with lessons in it than the tragic uh antagonist monster story with rodan and the big you know kind of like horror story with godzilla um and i think it just at this point it came down to this is the direction the writers wanted to go and we have a classic case of the producer saying like nope this is the direction to go and uh, you know, we always talk about uh, American producers in the studio systems. Well, it seems that the Japanese producers and studio systems were way more strict than you could ever imagine. And, you know, essentially, like if there was like, this is the direction you wanted to go. This is just what you were going to do. <laughs> Um, and uh, Honda also has another interesting relationship to this film because this film um, shares a lot of um, overlap with another uh, kaiju film called Dogura which was a movie that came out, well, which was a movie about a giant jellyfish that came from space to destroy everything. So that element of like, let's do something new with the uh, um, with the space invaders. And uh, that movie was also directed by Ishiro Honda. Ishiro Honda. And was also released. By this, Toho? Well, by Toho, yes. Yeah. But was also released this same year. <laughs> <laughs> busy man busy 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 man and also remember because the the whole the production of these movies is like you have Ashura Honda the director and then you have Subaraya who's the effects director so there's a little bit of like a disconnect between you know directing all the effects and then directing like you know a lot of the quote-unquote human stuff but yeah. then obviously everybody yeah. works together well, Honda seems like he's a lot like Guillermo del Toro except that Honda actually seems to finish the movie <laughs> that he starts making <laughs> Um, let's see. Um, so overall, 
uh, the film would go on to demonstrate a more genre subversion within the subgenre, Mm -hmm. Uh, namely, as I said, uh, comedic monsters. And uh, as we get into the movie, another interesting note is that uh, more prominent and assertive female characters would also be another uh, element that we would see in this movie. And I think that comes from uh, just wanting to have a more independent human story mm-hmm. from from what we've seen before. Um, and finally, this would be the first time that Godzilla and other destructive monsters would become defenders of Earth. Yes, yes. yes. Very apparent in this movie. <laughs> any, well, other, in, any other questions about well, the production? Well, I mean, production? to really compare it, it's like Godzilla, Rodan, and Mothra are the Avengers... And Ghidorah is Loki. Yeah, exactly. And it's like they have to come together. <laughs> this is the threat that they have to come together for. Uh huh. That after all this time of doing their own thing. Yeah. Except the Avengers didn't really destroy things. <laughs> I, guess. I mean, Cap destroyed Nazi Germany. Well, that's what Civil War is all about. Yeah. It's like you actually were destroying things. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be like if you have well, a I civil mean, war I, for I guess, monsters, well, I mean, and they're like, you destroyed all this stuff, and they're like, we, we, we know. <laughs> yeah. Iron Man used to, you know, sell nukes. Yeah. Uh, Thor was kind of an asshole. And Cap destroyed Nazi Germany. So I guess they all were similarly destructive. Mm-hmm. So any other questions about the production of the... Any, anything that like caught your caught your eye, caught your interest, or any, um, anything clarification you need? <laughs> no, I, I did notice that we got a, a Kiko back from our yes, production. Yes, yeah, this would uh, be um, the... Uh, um, oh, man, uh, her name is escaping me. But uh, Akiko, she plays the Bond girl in our last uh, episode, uh, You yeah, Only Live Twice. she played Aki, yeah. Yeah, and uh, she returns as the princess uh, in, in this film. Yeah, and we'll talk about that yeah. uh, in just a second. But other than that... The producer, because she was also in another film. I think she may have been in Dogura as well. Okay. Uh, in which uh, the producers of that film... Uh, were unfortunately not as uh, enamored with her acting, but uh, did comment that, but she's got a rockin' body. <laughs> that, like, translated directly? Uh, I, it, uh, more or less. More or less, okay. <laughs> but uh, essentially, she was in that movie, but I think that ultimately, like, the actual directors of this movie kind of, like, you know, wanted to make use of her. I think mm-hmm. that, that's just yeah. sexist producer speak. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, that's uh, so that's the that's the creation of Mothra. It's it's interesting, like or this movie. It's interesting, kind of like going into it. It's like kind of like in terms of production history. It's like yeah. they just rush into doing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I well, you know what? I should I say mean, it's, it's like it's, again, it's kind of similar between us. You know, yeah. it's like the bonds is kind of the same way. Well, I should say that maybe this is like another uh, big element I should mention about just film history in general and how Japan treated a lot of their blockbuster entertainment because Mm -hmm. the way that Japan saw it was very much like put into production, make like six, eight blockbusters a year. And, And I mean, by blockbuster be whatever their main form of entertainment was. So it's like put out like, two three godzilla movies a year put out like all this other comedy series that we have a year like just just make a bunch of them uh because they made them relatively cheap like you know they didn't spend like a bunch of money on them but like you know they they had a budget um but the the plan was is like they're putting out a bunch of movies that they know are going to be successful so and really all they needed to be all they needed were like two of them mm-hmm. or three of them to the, be successful yeah and that, that would like make back makes sense yeah so it's just interesting, interesting that they were very so that their approach to releasing movies was kind of like i guess for lack of a better term like saturate the market with something and like throw a bunch of 
uh, sponges out there, and then we'll two see, of the sponges. Yeah, we'll see which sponges uh, soak up the most water. So it, so that's kind of like what's interesting about like seeing like it was like three three of these monster movies were made this year mm-hmm. because they weren't going to be like we're not going to wait like two or three years to make another right. Godzilla movie. I mean, like put again, it out, come like on, let's go. With the Bond franchise, at least initially, there was like we're just going to pump these out once a year, yeah, and they still make them quality and still make money with them, but like. You know, it's, let's just make these. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get into Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, the greatest battle on Earth. Let's do it. But what? Tell me, what were you going to say? There's, There's a, a way, way that, that might work. work. What way? Go on, tell us. If the monster Rodan Godzilla all cooperate, they might be able to overcome Ghidra. Ghidorah, the the three-headed monster. What'd you think? <laughs> Not to spoil too much, but I love this movie. <laughs> I was really in love with this one. Lots to say, lots to, lots to praise for this one. Uh you know, it, it, it's it, it was it was it was fun. It was it was a fun yeah. watch. I really I, I really enjoyed it, and I think it's uh, very indicative of uh, what is what is to come. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think uh, we should kind of like just start out by saying like what what the the quote unquote plot of the movie. Yeah, is. and I just want to say they get right into this thing. Yeah. Because af- after the <laughs> sitcom esque opening credits, yeah. where it's like they show like little bits of footage from like Godzilla and the, the monsters fighting or whatever, and then it like pauses and does like the credits. Yeah. It's like, like, I imagine if you put like the friends theme in there or something like that, like it would fit perfectly. Like it's like, like maybe it's like it opens up and it's like, thank you for being a friend, yeah. stomping on our cities again. Indeed. <laughs> like, um, but they get right into this thing because yeah. immediately the first part of the movie is that you cut to uh, this kind of airspace base or the, the ufo club i guess they call yeah. it um <laughs> and they're they're like oh there's there's been this weird weather and there's a ufo over over uh, japan uh and uh you know and it's just like no no introduction no no kind of space bullet to kind of bring us into it it's just like <laughs> nope it's like hey there's a there's a ufo over japan it's january and there's a heat wave something's up and so eventually we figure out Oh, you want me to? Do, you want me to do? I yeah, thought we were gonna yeah. Scare I, I don't know. Like, oh. I'm not sure where, where where you're going. Yeah. So, just the basic plot is that we figure out that um, Ghidorah is gonna be coming to Earth thanks to um, the uh, one of, immediately one of my favorite parts of the movie. Okay. Um, is so yeah. We mentioned uh, uh, there's a princess character mm-hmm. um, that is there's there's a political nonsense happening. Okay, well... Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm t- getting t- ahead of myself. Let, let me let me describe what the general plot of the movie yeah, is. Yeah, because I so, didn't know. I didn't Because that's why I was I was bumping it off to you. I was oh, like, oh, okay, you, all right. You take it. So, you take okay, it. So, a, so the general idea of the plot is like there's kind of like this space angle met with an assassination plot line. That's, yeah. That's and the base one. I think this is interesting going into it, what we talked about before, was that the intention was for this movie to have a more independent uh, human yeah. story, uh, and how much they, how well they balance that out throughout the movie. Um, I, I have a little bit more thoughts on, but it is interesting to note that you're right. This gets started with its own kind of like different angle that's not necessarily about like Godzilla or like monsters, right? But in an angle that's like interesting and to be fair, we haven't seen before, mm-hmm. and in a kind of interesting way where it starts out with like you're right, this like little UFO club, and it's like, and we're we're looking for UFOs, and it, and it's. And it's paced well, and the back and forth is pretty good yeah. about like you 
know, it's a, you know, it's it's not incredibly sexist. It's a, it's a little sexist where they're like, what is this? What is, what is this foolish you you foolish woman reporting on the? Uh, and we got to mention <laughs> that we do have another uh, reporter character. Yes, as uh, the Godzilla franchise loves its reporter characters. Though I will say this kind of goes into the more prominent assertive female roles was that while she does come in and everybody kind of ridicules her a little bit uh, I will say that this reporter is good at her job she as is. opposed to the photographers and reporters that we've seen where you know she the she they're just like taking pictures and they're just like you don't even have the flash on what's wrong with you like this, this time you know we have like a we, yeah. we have like a much a much better um, character so while all this is going on, there are uh, reports of falling stars and a possible UFO heading to Earth. Right. Um, As alongside, like I said, the, the heat, this mysterious heat uh, and and kind of this the weird things are happening around the Earth. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then this is also juggled with a, a political assassination plot line yeah. uh, in which the, the specifics of it are kind of like wh- whatever, like who really cares, but uh, revolves around kind of like a princess who's like, uncle's trying to assassinate her or something right because she's the rightful heir to the throne yes exactly and basically like it's the idea of like well uh we if we assassinate her then we'll be the rightful heirs to the throne Ex- and then uh so and that's kind of like the general human plot line it's like the two levels of it you have like this princess who is uh who has a planned assassination against her and then this possible uh meteor that is a right about and, to and then this reporter trying to figure out uh what's happening with kind of both of these sides of the plot exactly because in classic fashion, both of these plots intertwine in classic screenwriting yeah, so I fashion. Guess, should we start talking about? So this specifics? goes into your favorite part. Or Actually, one, one it, of my it, favorite. It parts. intertwines in one of your favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, one this of my va- favorite. This parts. is favorite that uh, this happens fairly early yeah, on. One of it's just a moment that was special to me because I was it was something I hoped something would happen. Okay, should I set the scene? Set the scene. Okay, so they're in a plane, right? right and the princess, uh, the princess, the princess is in a plane, and I guess like her uncle or her kind of like advisor her like jafar japanese jafar looking motherfucker comes up and is just like like and that was the thing about it it's like what are they maybe i'm just culturally ignorant but what are they the royalty of because they dress like like they look like they live on the planet naboo like it's like i mean i'd have to look it up specifically i think they're probably the royalty of an island okay of something like that like something like an island off the coast (gasps) another island another island oh i'd have to check though yeah (laughs) um but um so it opens up on a plane and then uh, the advisor comes up and there's kind of like some hints about like, oh, like there's some foul, foul foot, a uh, foul foot. There's some foul foot a play, foul play a foot. <laughs> Something's rotten in the state of Denmark. Yeah. And then outside, she hears a voice saying, you need to get out of the plane. Right. So, no, no, it's basically, no, it's not, not even that. Okay. It's, it's basically like, so she's left alone. She's like, oh, I'll just have a water. And the advisor goes off and she's Oh, and like, she looks outside and she's, she's like, oh, the, the shooting stars are so beautiful. Yeah. And then, and then she hears like, you must leave. Run, <laughs> run. And in my head, I'm like, please jump out of the plane. Please jump out of the plane. Nick, what does she do? She jumps out of the plane. <laughs> and the advisor comes back. He's like, what are you doing? And she like just falls out and then the plane explodes. Yeah. And it's perfect. It's perfect. Now, again, I thought like that advisor came back. <laughs> Doesn't he come back later in the movie? No. Or is that another guy? That's another guy. Oh, I thought that was the same guy. No, it's not. Uh, but um, he, um, 
But yeah, so then the plane explodes, and then everybody, all the reporters are like, well, I guess she's dead. Well, because no, part, part of it is that, so another plot line that's established is that the local police are going to be a bodyguard for her, because they think that there is an assassination plot afoot. Mm-hmm. So the next day, the the uh, the the guy, the bodyguard guy, uh, who's going to be her bodyguard, comes in, it's like, oh, when's their plane landing? And then uh, his chief is just like, oh, no, she's dead. <laughs> Like, in the most casual way, it's like, well, you're not going to be protected because uh, the plane exploded, so she died. <laughs> it's, it's true. That That is how casually it's done. And, uh, you know, and I, I will say, so, and then it kind of continues on to, and then two new events also happen in which the meteor in question finally collides with Earth. Right. Uh, and um, And it's a giant, what could only be described as a giant magnetic egg. So we all know that the crystal skull is in there. No, uh, but it's it's a giant egg in which like there's a bunch of magnetism being uh, uh, around it. All the like the right. metal stuff. And it's is like being they're drawn like there's a gravity, is like, yeah. a magnetism. We don't know. And yeah. it's like a very investigative part of the movie. Um, and then also at the same time, uh, our princess shows up again, or but is she as a kind of a uh, as a humbly dressed vagrant in the streets uh spouting uh speech about you know the end is nigh and the world right. is coming to and an end and saying that she's from venus and saying that she is from the planet venus um which is actually interesting in the american uh dub uh it is mars that she's from that makes sense because mars and america americans are obsessed with mars yeah for some reason mm-hmm. and so you it know. just fits with our culture a little bit more yeah. that it's like oh aliens come come from mars yeah. um and nothing comes from Venus. But it's too hot. <laughs> is Venus Venus is Venus a solid planet or is it a gas giant? As I sound I th- dumb, I think saying it's. That. I think if I remember correctly, and maybe we'll get an email from some scientists listening to us. If there was only a computer right in front of me that I could look this information yeah. up, but on. I believe it's it's. I believe it's like solid, but it has a very gaseous atmosphere. Gotcha. Like it's it's covered in gas, but if you were, I think we we believe that if you were to go into the planet, there'd be like a solid core. Um, and so she reveals that she is a Venusian alien. Um, and introduces the notion, this comes kind of later on in the movie, but I'll just say it now, but she goes on to like kind of introduce the notion that mankind has like alien origins and that like, you know, mankind is basically aliens that have come down and have forgotten, either evolved or, or forgotten like there. Certain, yeah. uh, certain humans. And, uh, one of, and one of the big, uh, to kind of just kind of talk a little bit more about the human story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've been kind of impressed with so far with the Godzilla franchise and just kind of one of the things that'll be interesting to see continue going forward for me is I've been very kind of interested and impressed with the ways and it and how it works doesn't work, but just the kind of different ways you can do different types of stories mm-hmm. within these Godzilla films. Yeah. Like like this one is has the whole assassination kind of action plot to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like just interesting that it's so different than things like the the as silly as it was like the more businessy and elements that were in Godzilla versus Mothra, right? And is again, it didn't really work in that movie either. But the the kind of romantic comedy elements of Godzilla Raids again that these movies are very malleable mm-hmm. to kind of include kind of almost whatever one story you want, right? True, and 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 still relate it to this big giant monster battle, and and it's very very 
interesting to me and mm. I, I felt it really worked in this one and kind of adding that assassination plot element and kind of having these different shootouts and I'm just really interested to see how that will continue to go forward. Um, and talking about um, uh, introducing some of the crossover elements, let's talk about uh, the fairies come back yes, in this yes. movie. So, uh, I'm, the sh- I'm, uh, yeah, so I am becoming a huge a nerd about these characters now um, and they are introduced and their it, introduction and their role in this movie is interesting so they're introduced on a talk show yeah i was yes yeah. yeah. so <laughs> so there's a talk show uh that's going on and it's it's the the characters uh we should mention i guess that the reporter and the cop are our siblings yeah so they're together at home they're watching the tv and it's like this show it's like where are they now and it's like these two guys are like we find out where are they now and these two kids come on it's like who do you want to see guys and they're like mothra and it's yeah. like mothra <laughs> yeah you really want to see mothra and the kids are like uh oh. and then so the fairies come on and they're like oh can we see mothra and then they sing a little song and we get to see mothra on the island mm-hmm. uh still in his larva state uh with the uh still being praised by the uh infant island locals yeah uh, we, seemingly we were, nonstop. Yeah, we were trying to determine, like, do they take shifts, or is that just, like, their eternal damnation of having to bow to this larva hey, monster? Yo, hey, can you come in at three today for the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, Dan got sick, and, and we, we need, we need an extra, uh, front man for the, for the praising today. I, I, I have, I have tickets to go see the screening of the, the fairy show, and it's like, I can't miss it. Uh, <laughs> I got Allman Brothers tickets. <laughs> um... So I was thinking when we were watching it, like, oh, this is going to be a big joke or something. Like, oh, like these guys are going to play a joke on these kids. Mm-hmm. And then the fairies actually show up and are like, oh, I'm like, flying oh, carpet. and they're flying carpet thing. I'm like, oh, so this is actually happening. Like the fairies are actually like these celebrities now and going on TV mm-hmm. to like mock and it, And it was intentionally made that the fairies have a lot more of... Um, uh, have more of an assertive role in the movie that their introduction is portrayed as kind of like oh like you know kind of celebrity status and that everything that they do in the movie is like kind of taking action and they have a more important role because uh, and frankly their role in the previous movies have kind of in all the previous movies Mothra and Godzilla have been being captured or like you know right. you know kind of being at the mercy of you know, mm-hmm. you know, man's world or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, monster movie. Let's talk about the monsters. Let's talk about the monsters. So um, everything kind of like uh, continues on where uh, in the crater that the, um, that the, uh, well, it's interesting to note that where the uh, giant magnetic egg crashes is actually in the same volcano or the same area that uh, wrote the one of the Rodans that the Rodans died in. Yeah. Within that movie. The Rodans. So, yeah. <laughs> That also sounds like a sitcom. <laughs> the Rodans. So Rodan appears out of, he was like kind of buried in some rubble. Yeah. And then just appears in a very, uh, and actually like people have acknowledged and you had kind of mentioned that uh, this Rodan suit is of a, is not as great as the Rodan suit within in the original movie Rodan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was kind of given a goofy look. Yeah. And I think that was intentional to change him from like the tragic destructive monster to the kind of more like Don Knotts goofy uh goofy goofy yeah. looking goofy looking creature I'll also kind of uh because I remember you had talked about it I actually kind of like maybe it's because it's like still a little goofy but I kind of like the portrayal of Rodan like effects wise like it's clearly like you're right it's like a little kind of like a plane on a string being yeah. like like flown around no I- but I thought like camera with the camera work and especially like when it eventually fights Godzilla I think they cut around it in very like no I think threatening they, they cool do a good job is it and and again it's like I think Rodan works a lot more 
honestly when he's in like the same frame mm-hmm. as as Godzilla. I can agree with that. And yeah. and when there's actually kind of things going on with with him in terms of the other monsters. So and then after that happens, that uh, ship that uh, they said don't go on that ship. Then Godzilla shows up and just just destroys the uh, as he as he is wont to boat, do. Yeah. Um, and then the movie kind of continues on with Godzilla going on a rampage, just kind of like walking around doing his own business, continuously confused by the appearance of a giant Rodan, the flying monster. Um, Rodan's fighting style yeah. is hysterical. So eventually these two end up fighting. There's a lot of scenes of Rodan flying and Godzilla kind of looking up in the air, really confused, just like, oh, what? So let's, yeah, so how Rodan initially, his initial way of just getting <laughs> on Godzilla's nerves is just continuously bashing him in the head. Well, before with his even beak. that, like, he sneaks up to Godzilla, and this is what I mean. Oh, like this and is the drive-by. Yeah, Rodan. this is a, yeah. Rodan does a drive-by, and this is actually. I see these are shots I like. I think they film these well. Oh no, no, no. I think where this is great. You see, like Rodan just like flying from behind Godzilla and just hits him and just knocks Godzilla. And Godzilla's over. like, "What the hell just <laughs> happened?" <laughs> At one point, Rodan just picks Godzilla up. Yes. <laughs> And it's just like this long shot, and it's like Rodan, like Godzilla, like flailing around, like on his on his like stomach, basically like put me down, put me down, put me down. And Rodan's yeah, exactly. like trying to lift him, and it's like really heavy. And that's one of the examples when the story kind of intertwines because so they're about to do shock therapy on um, the princess to return her to <laughs> yeah, her princess and so, state, and uh, Rodan drops Godzilla on like a, a power line, and it gets rid of all the power. Yeah. Um, and then we are introduced, finally, to King Ghidorah, um, who King Ghidorah has, this is, and as we kind of get later into the Godzilla franchise, we see like a lot of cool special effects like this, but the introduction of King Ghidorah, to me, is awesome, where the egg opens up, and it's like this giant, like, these fireworks and this explosion, and then kind of like this animated, like, fire outline that turns into this flying three-headed yeah, dragon. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's so cool. And then, even more so than Godzilla, just rampant destruction. Well, basically, like, what, what, what separates Ghidorah which I think would make some interesting is his speed because he can basically fly around and just destroy massive sections of land mm-hmm. in like an instant. Well, the whereas, idea whereas, is that yeah. the winds of the, yeah. of as he flies by is destroying. Right. It's like the with, cities, yeah. alongside with those beams that he has. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a light, the ability for a dragon to breathe lightning is awesome. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's interesting that you mention uh, the ability as he flies by because uh, Rodan also has this ability too. Uh, and that's kind of like what's kind of cool about you're right about these monsters is that they introduce different ways in which all these monsters would be able to destroy. It's like all these different aspects of a storm, essentially. Um, and but what's interesting about this ability to fly over cities and destroy them is that it was the origin of creating footage that could therefore be recycled in other Toho movies mm. for destroying places because it's not a monster in the frame. It's just cities being destroyed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, makes, so they would sense. Yeah. So they would recycle those, those, uh, that footage for other films. Um, but what's interesting about Ghidorah is that when you look at Ghidorah and I don't think it's egregiously so, but Ghidorah's, screen time in the movie is somewhat limited and that's because that Tsuburaya did not like the final design of King Ghidorah is that while loved King Ghidorah on the page found that the actual uh, design and on-screen presentation was flat and awkward mm-hmm. and therefore didn't like the um, the, 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 finished the, portray- the finished product of him. Um, there's also another rumored uh, um, 
reason for this is that uh, the suit performer, uh, Siochi Hiro, uh, let's see, Shoichi. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's how it is. So Richi Hiroz, who um, was King Kong in the King Kong versus Godzilla film, uh, had it falling out with uh, Subaraya, and that may have had something to do with why there is only limited screen time. As in he fell out of the suit. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, I don't know. I disagree. I think that it's. I think. No, that, I think it worked a lot. I, I, I think, think it's it worked very. Really well. Everything works very well. Mm-hmm. This is also the first uh, monster in, in a Godzilla movie that's taller than Godzilla. Yeah, I, yeah. I noticed that. I think everything about the design just works. It's I think like, the design it's menacing, just works, it's great. and I think that the, the kinetic, kinetic, the yeah. kinetic nature of the heads, yeah, the, kinetic, is, the kinetic energy of the nature of the heads and the tail mm-hmm. and the wings, even just like the constant moving, really makes it effective. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, so yeah, so eventually, uh, these, all these guys fight at certain points. So let's talk about, well, yeah, so we should kind of talk about, so the initial thing is that Rodan and Godzilla are, are fighting. Yeah. They're just kind of have this big old, old fashioned monster battle, which, which is great, but then leads to one of the other. Oh, and then I guess we should mention eventually there's this whole thing about, um, that the fairies call upon Mothra yeah. to Oh, help. I was going to mention before we get to the... Also, because teaming. this is a sequel, one of the Mothras from the original movie passed away, but this other Mothra who's still a larva is around. Yeah. Um, well, before we get to the team-up, one of the other great elements of that Rodan-Godzilla fight mm-hmm. is when Godzilla just body slams yes. Roseanne. <laughs> like, you just see it like, you just see Godzilla pick up Rodan and just flip him on its head and yep. just, like, throw him down. It's awesome. Great. Yeah, so basically the fairies convince the basically because the defense force and the government's like they, they do the, they'll do the whole thing again like you think we're really gonna use nukes against Ghidorah and Godzilla <laughs> well then come up with a better plan and then like they're the they come in to the office like the reporter brings the fairies and they're like the fairies are like the only way we can do this the only way we can defeat Ghidorah is if Mothra convinces Godzilla and Rodan to, to work together. It's the only way you're going to beat him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, all destruction will be wrought. Mm-hmm. And basically, like the government's like, "All right, fine, call him. <laughs> make a make a good point." <laughs> so, so, and what's really interesting about this too is that I was expecting at some point because we see the when when the fairies are on TV earlier, we see that Mothra yes is still in the larva state. And I was expecting, oh, like part of the big thing is like the larva is going to go in like a cocoon, and then it was going to, oh, I'm like we're going to get Mothra back. But mm-hmm. no, the the, the the larva stays the larva the whole movie. Yeah. Which even creates an even more interesting dynamic because the larva comes across the sea from Infant Island, mm-hmm. finds Godzilla and Rodan, and tries to convince them to work together. Mm. But and we should also mention before that, as the fight comes to a conclusion, one of the other best parts of the movie is that uh, in the middle of this fight kind of breaks down into a game of rock volleyball oh yes oh my god (laughs) this was because it's incredible because one of godzilla's moves is like he kicks rocks at rodan picks up rocks yeah well at one point he's just kicking them yeah kicking them at rodan this this is wait guys i'm just want to say this is spectacular and then godzilla finally throws a rock at rodan's head then throws another rock and then rodan hits the rock back at godzilla in which the two are playing volleyball with each yeah, other because it's just like they're just keep, they're the just punching and like he's, rodan hits it with his head godzilla will punch it back and it's just like this is legitimately like you think like oh it'll be a this is legitimately like they keep it up yeah it's like a game <laughs> of keep it up for like 12 to 15 rounds yeah. like this is yeah. like a this is they were very successful yes yeah. 
And um, so that, yeah, that, that part's I, this great. was I would say like it, one one I would look up the fights in this movie, but like that particularly like find it, watch mm-hmm. it. It's incredible stuff. So Mothra comes up, and Mothra is uh, convincing, and this is all being translated is convincing Godzilla and Rodan uh, to uh, help them defend the earth yeah. essentially and uh and it kind of like and this is like the scene where i mean there's been a lot of camp and comedy up until this point but this is kind of like when the monsters are very like comedic I don't like th- at, well i mean comedic and comedic and personal and personalized to the sense of rodan like mothra uh divides uh, Mothra breaks up the fight by shooting its silly string at them yeah. in which both monsters laugh at each other when that happens so like like Mothra gets uh, Mothra shoots it at Rodan and there's like a scene of like uh, you know with all like the gunk on Mothra's on a sorry on Rodan's face and Rodan like has a look to the camera like you gotta be kidding me and then it goes cuts to Godzilla Godzilla just like hunches over laughing just like <laughs> so it's just like it, it's definitely yeah, but something do- we have I really like, seen. What I really liked about this scene was I also felt there was that that really great hint of drama with them trying to convince it. And mm. to to what we were talking about before. Which Godzilla at one point says, I don't want to help humanity because they bully me. Well no, but that's what I was saying. It's like it's that whole it goes back to that whole idea that these are monsters, like they're too big and they don't like that's like at the end of the day, like Godzilla and and Rodan are are kind of just these big creatures who don't, you know, they might not even really realize like the destruction that they truly cause. And mm-hmm. like, they are just kind of these forces of nature that are, you know, going around and just kind of doing right. their thing. And I really like the idea of like, I also like that they're like shoving each other and everything too. Yeah. And I, I really like the idea that they would be hesitant to help humanity. Cause all humanity's ever done to them is run scared and try to attack them. Like mm. how many times in these movies have Godzilla been like shot with missiles or electrocuted and like, you know, like, like, why would he? Like, in the, in the end of his day, why would he do that? Why, why would he help? He's you know? also killed a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. But, but also, but this is also <laughs> where I thought that like there there could have been more drama with the human storyline mm-hmm. because you could have done something where they're trying to figure out like, um, they're trying to figure out like, or Godzilla and Rodan are like, no, we're not going to do it, and maybe like the reporter comes out and it's like you got like come on like you know and then they like that yeah i'm just saying like there could have been something where it's <laughs> yeah, like I, I get you they, they come in and they're like you know that's like the whole maybe the message of the movie yeah it's just like they you know even the enemies you know in times of these troubles like we can be work together i think that comes across either way though i, I mean it does but yeah. i felt like it's just in terms of just a storytelling it would have yeah. been it would have even been a great arc for uh the reporter because at the beginning the reporter is very skeptical of all this mm-hmm. and it would have been nice to see your like kind of fully go into this and be like we we have to help these okay people. i can see that yeah see that's um, where i think like you're right i think for me like i think the drama could have been a little bit yeah more but that's what present. i'm saying like, yeah. i think like you could have done more uh so eventually what happens is that it comes down to it that rodan and godzilla agree not to or they, they disagree yeah they're still at odds they don't want to help but see so this mothra, is where the drama comes in for me yeah. because it's like mothra yes who's this little larva right uh is like going to go fight Ghidorah by him by, by herself by herself yeah and that's where it's like oh that that's not going to work out no, at no. all <laughs> but like but you can tell it's like Mothra's like well if you're not going to do something I yeah. will I, it's, and it's also it's, a great it's all- shot of like Mothra going around and like Rodan and Godzilla standing next to each other just like watching this little <laughs> this and, little bug and <laughs> it's um great. And it's just like it's the idea, and it really sells what Mothra's character is mm-hmm. like she is a protector of 
Earth. Yeah. Earth. And yeah. she is a protector of her people on Infant Island. And she, at the end of her days, no matter what happens, it's like she's going to go out fighting because that is what her duty is and that's what she believes. Mm-hmm. And it really sells you that these, these monsters do have greater character uh, than just being these forces of nature. That's, and that's beautiful, Nick. <laughs> that's, that's, it's beautiful. And, 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 and then Mothra <laughs> goes down and just gets... Just gets her ass handed to yeah, her. Like yeah, like it's knocked <laughs> up in the air, does like a flip. Immediately. And then Godzilla and Rodan kind of... They finally intervene. They, they finally decide that yeah. we, we're, we, we understand that there's more at stake than, than our personal differences. Yeah. And the fight itself is great. It's a lot I of fun. I love it. I love it. I think it's, at one again, point, it, all, all three monsters work well together and it just kind of... It's might be my favorite like fight because mm-hmm. i mean there, there's a lot of stuff from the king kong the last I think king, king kong still takes it from yeah me, I, but like, but like i really i really second. like this entire third act like this whole last sequence with them uh i i thought that it really played to each monster's strength mm-hmm. i thought that there was just a lot of cool moments and a lot of cool, some comedic moments some too. comedic moments some dramatic moments and some really inventive ways of them just kind of you know, Godzilla gets a uh, shot in the balls at one point <laughs> by uh, by Ghidorah's uh, electric breath, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is really weird, and by and in his butt at one point mm-hmm. too. But then it like kind of like, and then it uh it culminates into them finally gaining the upper hand on Ghidorah with Mothra getting on Rodan's back, getting some air support. To that was put the awesome. Uh, to like put that's the, the, that's the type of thing him. I was yeah. talking about before. It's just like the the incredible nature of how creatively they're able to team up all these monsters mm-hmm. uh to and then godzilla just throws him back into space <laughs> yeah well, well we kind of like at the end of the day like um godzilla throws him and mothra covers him in itself and it, it, it just seems like Ghidorah just gets annoyed to the point of just like not worth it yeah no nope. yeah <laughs> it's like there's like in a movie that's like that where it's just like the or a tv show where they're like at the end of the day this guy's like oh this screw it i'm, I'm done right. i'm just not doing this anymore yeah well it's the end of uh, the world's end that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, I was trying to place it. Yeah. And I guess we should say that at this point that the um that the human story wraps up with um the assassin almost getting a shot in at the princess and the princess gets like knocked back into her old memories again. Yeah. Like she gets shot yeah. like and then like passes out for a second. The assassin dies, but before he dies, he catches a boulder. <laughs> like <laughs> like the, the the monster fight creates an avalanche and all these rocks. Obviously it's like a giant set and it's prop rocks, but like prop rocks um as all the rocks are coming down the the guy like catches a boulder and then falls over uh and then it's great and then the movie kind of ends with you know the princess getting and this is where i mean like i think it kind of works and i think it's like interesting because it's like oh here are at least more so than the godzilla movies before at least these are characters that i know and have followed throughout this movie and it's kind of like okay and then now their mm-hmm. story is over uh but i guess there was like supposed to be like some drama of like oh like the princess like had like didn't or did remember the good times that she had with these people well she that the cop saved her three separate times yeah and it kind of just ends yeah i was a little <laughs> bit like i wish there was like a final shot of godzilla and Dan, like walking off into the sunset because it's like high-fiving each yeah. other maybe at the end of the day maybe they're gonna go get a beer together yeah and just kind of like these two guys were fighting because they just kind of got in each and they're other's like, way what were we fighting for like we were just like oh man like you're not so bad of a godzilla yeah. and you're not so bad of a rodan after all this and it, it just it just teaches the lesson ultimately that friendship is the biggest monster there is but is a good monster maybe it's just you know it's like like that heartwarming story where like oh i thought all rodans were like this but 
you've proven to me that you're, <laughs> you, you know, you're they're not. Like, they're like Gimli and Legolas from Lord of the Rings. Uh, all right. So, uh, fine. Any final thoughts on G- Ghidorah, the three headed? I monster? really like this movie. Uh-huh. Like, I really, really did. And um, it's it's competing up there with one of the favorites of the Godzilla side of things that we've seen so far. It's th- right up there with the original Godzilla and King Kong versus Godzilla. A lot of fun. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is my third favorite thus far. So should we talk about post-release? Aftermath, let's do it. The aftermath. Um, okay, so as with most of the filmography up to this point and going forward in the Godzilla canon, the film was met with uh, success. Uh, while it was not met with a prestige appraisal, it was acknowledged as a solid addition to the entertaining blockbuster portion of Japanese cinema. Um, I have some reviews. Uh, the Ooh. New York Times uh, says at least the movie at least provides a smile or two as Ghidra lurches and lunges through veritable anthology of Japanese monster picture plots. Variety said uh, when the viewer finds himself cheering when the viewer finds himself cheering on the trio of unlikely allies, it's a tribute to Honda's ability to capture an audience. Uh, while and also notes that the uh, dubbing of the film is as usual atrocious, <laughs> which we didn't watch the dubbing, but yeah. that's why we don't watch the dubbing. Um, and then you would like this one. This is a Will I? retrospective review by our friend Leonard Malton. Ah, Leonard. Um, uh, he gave the film two and a half stars, calling it one of the better Toho monster rallies. <laughs> But it, but it's interesting because like especially going back to that last review, it just kind of shows that like you know Godzilla at this point has placed itself into pure entertainment mm-hmm. blockbuster indeed uh, filmmaking. Um, I would say ultimately this film would provide the tonal and conceptual template for the rest of the Showa series and therefore a majority of Godzilla's legacy. This being monster mashups in a campy direction, and as I said before, it would mark uh, Godzilla's change into a hero. Yes, it did. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> um, but Nick, what happened to the other monsters? What did happen? To what the happened other to monsters? them, Nick? Uh, Where are they? Oh, who's who's uh, Harrison Ford in this movie? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> I'll go with the cop, uh, head of the cop. Oh, or, he's the head. He's the yeah, he's, like he's like the like, chief, chief of police. <laughs> you gotta protect her. Yeah. All right. <laughs> She's dead, God damn it! <laughs> Find that princess. Okay, all right. So that's Harrison Ford. Uh, Rodan would go on to make sporadic appearances in the Godzilla canon, mostly as an ally of Godzilla, and Ghidorah was henceforth portrayed as the closest thing Godzilla had to an arch enemy, and with the exception, when with the exception of one example, would always be portrayed as the villain. Um, and he would also go on to make uh, one appearance as the main villain in one of the Rebirth of Mothra films. Oh. Uh, both of these monsters, as I said, are in the inner circle. They're in like the top ten lists of monsters. They're, of- they're in like the Godfather circle yeah. <laughs> of of Godzilla monsters. But it's like both of them, Dan. both of them would appear like in like if there's a video game about Godzilla, they would appear in it. If there's like some any like sort of comics or anything, they would appear in some way, shape, or form. And mm-hmm. I would say that like Ghidorah would kind of be have that status as the arch villain yeah of, that uh, makes sense because he, he seems like the most powerful of mm-hmm. godzilla's uh, monster friends and enemies uh and the final note and i didn't really think about this until we were approaching this episode and uh, mm-hmm. so godzilla king of the monsters which will be a direct sequel to the 2014 american godzilla directed by gareth edwards um will actually feature this same roster of monsters Indeed. which was interesting because the roster of monsters being Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah was announced a long time ago and confirmed quite recently. And it never occurred to me 
that this movie, this old movie, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, was also the culmination of these three monsters. I really honestly swear to all my heart <laughs> that the fairies are small and they make an appearance. I would totally... You're making me into like a, like a nerd about this now because I really want that to be an appearance. Now, it's interesting because it made me think of like, is that movie going to share similarities with this one? Because I do... Because So here's something. So there's a release synopsis of the film that hints that all... All four of the monsters will vie for supremacy, but does label Ghidorah as Godzilla's ultimate nemesis. So I wonder if it's going to be a similar they all fight and then Ghidorah shows up and then they yeah. and then they well, have to team. It'll up. be interesting just to think about it a little bit, not to go too much into it, but also that this will be this universe's in terms of this filmic universe, the introduction to Mothra. Because mm-hmm. one of the van- advantages you had because this was a direct sequel to well, you know, Godzilla versus Mothra versus Godzilla, that which was also kind of like a pseudo sequel to the original Mothra film, right? Yeah, <laughs> that you that you had like established like, oh, it's like they're the larva, and like you, know, you had two, and one of them died, and that kind of you already had that that nature and what what they represents. Whereas in this one, it's going to be you're going to probably get the Moth version of Mothra, mm-hmm. I would assume. Um, and I'll be interested to see if Ghidorah is still from space or if they'll go with one of these other origins that you've talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also found out, and this was the saddest part of my research, that this movie does not come out until 2019. I could have swore it came out next year, nope. but it doesn't come out till 2019, and I was so sad. We we might get to we might get to it on the podcast. Yeah, partly because of our own delay. But yeah. <laughs> we we might get a chance. That might be one of the end the end of our Godzilla reign. All right, Nick. That was Ghidorah, the three headed monster. And uh, that, that's, up. That, that's all. That's all I have to, have to say about it. Another, another fun, successful watch of a Godzilla film. Yeah. Uh, and then next time we uh, go into the Godzilla canon, we will be, uh, we will be uh, facing the Astro Monster. Ooh, the mysterious Astro Monster. But next time we're not talking about Godzilla. We're talking about James Bond. What, what are we, uh, what are we visiting yeah, next? So time? we are finally going to get to the film that's been years in the making. They yeah. wanted to make this film for a long time. It's going to be Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I can't wait to see Sean Connery return again. Um, yes. I mean, sorry to disappoint you. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, in, in something that we'll have to do over a number of times over the course of the podcast, we'll have to introduce ourselves to a brand new James Bond. Mm-hmm. And it'll be very interesting to talk about the first time that happened because this becomes, you know, obviously a tenant of the franchise uh, is having all these different bonds. So how did it begin? We'll find out. All right. Well, until we find out, uh, where do we go? Uh, we can go to um, a couple things. We can go to uh, our email address, mm-hmm. bonzillapod at gmail.com. If That's you have it. any comments, if you're a scientist that knows uh, if Venus is a gas planet or not, you can email <laughs> us. Yeah. You can also tweet us at bonzilla007 on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, facebook.com slash bonzilla007. Like and subscribe or iTunes and SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're at Comic-Con... We'll not be wearing anything specifically, but you know you might recognize our voices, so yeah. you can say hello. Yeah, amongst like all the, the all noise. the people there. Yes, we'll be there, uh, and you can tell us how much you love our podcast and maybe how much you want a T-shirt. Well, we can't give you a T-shirt because yeah. we don't have any. But t-shirts. we want to know that you want one. We want to know that you want one because maybe we can start making some money off of this, or maybe you know not. I just want to know that you want a T-shirt. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right, well that's it for me. All right, I'm Will, and I'm Nick. Bye. I really just want those fairies in this new movie. (laughs) Fairies, give us fairies. Hashtag give us fairies. I'm going to put that on the Twitter. (laughs) 